Welcome to the Sports Jerks Podcast, land of the hot take and home of the I got up for this. My name is Josh and with me is my co-host Dan, Dan, Danny Darts. How are you, buddy? I'm good, buddy. I feel like I say that uh, five days a week, five, six days a week. I got up for this. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is the the conundrum of becoming an adult in that if you don't get up, you're fucked. Yeah. As opposed to when you're a kid, you just don't get up and things move forward. You just but don't get up. Just well, move forward this way. Well, you know, like anyone listening in Ontario that knows that schools have been moved to online. Uh, so, you know, yes. my job is done in schools and online and um, the kids are, I feel bad for the kids. They're checking out, you know, so it's, uh, I feel like they say that too, probably. I got up for this. <laughs> yeah, they see your ass. Okay, I here see- we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, basketball. Right out of the gate, I do want to talk about the Nuggets. Okay. So Denver, Denver Nuggets, they're doing terrible. Jokic, get, <laughs> Jokic gets announced as the MVP this week, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He gets a huge shout-out from the man, the legend, the Big Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal, saying that Jokic is bringing the big man back, which I love. We can get into that if you want. But the Nuggets are absolutely getting shellacked this playoffs. They're not putting up much of a fight thus far, at least, against the Suns. Uh, last night, I guess for you listeners, two nights ago, they get blown out by the Suns. Coach comes on and basically says his main issue is, is that no one seems to fucking care. And it's something mm-hmm. that we talked about a little bit with the Leafs is that lack of that kind of lack of effort. And your dog Soda is obviously feeling the action, too. <laughs> no, he's a Suns fan, so he's hyped. Oh, I see. I see. I mean, I get it, though. He ended the press conference basically by saying, next game, I'm just going to put out the guys that are going to actually go out there and lay everything on the line. And he said, but it might be hard to find five of them. That is a very serious strategy to talk about. But when you're down 2-0, what do you have to lose, right? That's a scathing commentary, right? So I don't know, man. Like, the Phoenix looks good. And, like, we've talked about this all, like, year long going back to the bubble like you know they kind of impressed and put themselves on the map then and are now just kind of hitting the ground running you know in this next series and i, I couldn't believe it was how quickly they're up to and all you know what i mean for like, sure and they they look great chris paul is phenomenal mm-hmm. we've talked about it all year mm-hmm. like potentially like in another year he could have had a you know somewhat of an mvp type season and he looks like he's just operating at a different level and their defense doesn't even want to try to slow him down he's just doing whatever he wants mm-hmm. yeah and uh i don't know when i see that series like i i i don't know i like seeing all the hype now, of course, Jokic MVP is fantastic. So he's being put on the map now more. You know, I just mm-hmm. watched a video of him working out and, you know, his teammates, you know, kind of sharing that. You know, you get to see kind of the person, the personal side of yeah. it. So that's great. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, then looking at the games and saying, you know, they're down 0-2 in the series. It's 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 tough, but I like this changing of the guard, right? I'm liking that we're kind yes. of talking about different teams for the first time in how long. Different teams sure. and different stars. So, yeah. you know no one can really make i guess a prediction as easily as years past right we're seeing the nuggets and the suns like right yeah good point and i know that somebody was talking about on instagram i would have to double check but i'm pretty sure the stat was this is the first time since 2011 so that's a decade that steph curry and lebron james are both out so you were 21 that years you don't old have, yeah young man and young I, chap and I was like, uh, you know, a couple of years younger than that. I'm not very good, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> but it, it yeah. puts it in perspective, though. It's crazy, man. Right. Because, like, that big chunk of your life is, like, you know, a lot of your active sports watching, you know, life. 
Um, and it, it, it's weird to kind of see, you know, obviously things go in cycles, like it happens in all sports, but right. just that, like the dominance and just like the personalities and, you know, the, 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 just the symbol of those two players was just, well, that was just defined basketball for the last 10 years. So to see this and be talking about all new things is super refreshing. And I hope Definitely. that like, I hope the marketing kind of leans into this now. They kind of are forced to now, right? Maybe that's a yeah, good thing. I would- yeah, I would think so, right? Because now you're looking at who do we got left? We got D-Book. We got Aiton, who's also on the Suns. You have Donovan Mitchell in Utah. You have, you know, even Giannis is pretty young at this point, too. Jordan you Clarkson in Jamal Utah. Murray. Exactly. You got Clarkson. You got Jokic, who's in, like, what? He's only about 24, 25 years old. So, like, all the guys that we're going to really talk about right now are in either an early part of their career or they're actually, like, still subprime. So, I think... It's super fucking cool. Honestly, if Dallas had pulled off that Game 7 win over the Clippers, we would literally, this would be literally, you know, a you know a cataclysmic event in the NBA yeah. that Kawhi and Paul George would have been out. And then you would have had, you know, uh, Przingis, who's taking a beating as the next uh, playoff P, and, um, <laughs> and Luka Doncic. If they had been in, it would have been a complete, you know, young guys are taking over, but regardless they are but it's super exciting right because i think for myself as a basketball fan i start to detach when the playoffs are coming up and it's like okay well this team is 100 percent gonna win and then mm-hmm. on the other side there's only one of two teams that are gonna win right we are seeing it a little bit with the nets <clears throat> right now but at least the nets are kind of becoming the outlier no i know and they are and it, i mean at least that's like a new thing like i'm sure you know if they mm. stick if they stick around and like you know Good point they're such yeah, a super fresh, team though. of like the most recent like studs of this generation. They're such a super team that it's like something new, like you said, an outlier. Um, right. But also, like I'm sure, like if they stuck around, let's say they all, you know, notwithstanding any contract situations, all locked in for five years and five prime right. years and just won three chips. Now then we start getting a little fucking probably sick we, and tired 100%. of it. Yeah. But but, <laughs> but the novelty is yeah. there though because it's almost like any basketball fan would see. Okay, who hasn't dreamed of having those three guys on a team? before like right. you know what guy yeah. you know what, what guy in fantasy league that has maybe three teams total who can draft all the best guys has that right. on their team right it has those three guys right. so it's great from that perspective right we just kind of you know what would happen if sort of sort of experiment right it, you know how long is it gonna last you know yep personality and it's three misfits play. too right yeah yeah it's the, it's the personalities for me because all three of them have had issues at some point in their career Mm-hmm. Right. Some mm-hmm. more than others, obviously, but all three of them are kind of Brooklyn has become the land of the broken toy. Um, and yet it, it's working. And and right now they're dominating the Bucks and Harden is not even playing. So what what does that tell you? Like that's that's it. It tells you that they're just so leaps and absolute bounds above everyone else. And here's the thing. And here's the thing with Milwaukee. Right. It's like I'm huge on Giannis. I'm high on the guy. I think eventually he needs to, you know, he's got to lock down that, you know, that jump, that jump shot, the three pointer a little bit better. Mm -hmm. He's got to get a little bit better at that. Cause once he does, he's going to be probably the best player in the, in the league. And right now, either way, he's still a top five, but him and Middleton alone, it just shows you can't get it done on your on any given night. You you're looking at somebody like Brooke Lopez to step up. Maybe five years ago he could have, but now it's like sure he has the odd good game, but in general he's just a solid role player. Somebody like Marcus Gasol, like with the right team, he can be a great piece, but you can't really have that kind of burden on him. 
And Durant is playing at an absolute different level. I think this is the first year now that he's playing in the East that he's been directly compared to Giannis a lot and to a point that he actually has been annoyed and been talking about it and been like <laughs> he had like a massive game. It was like, don't ever fucking compare me to him again. And it's like, okay, he's just, he snapped. He's ready to go. Um, you know, I have my issues with KD, but he is, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in the NBA and, and he's, he's a fucking lethal scorer all time as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, they didn't like burn the world when they first got those guys together in like the last third of the season, right? You know, they had to couple, they had a couple like pretty bad L's mixed in there to Cleveland they and did. stuff like that. But again, they weren't, they weren't complete either, right? Like you said. Right. And like so many other teams weren't complete. And we had talked about the Lakers getting bounced. And we had said yeah. last week that if AD missed any sort of significant time that, you know, LeBron couldn't get it done, ends up being the case. Um, and, and, you know, that's just exciting. Um, but I do want to, you know, Talk about these Goliaths that are playing super well. I want to focus in on Utah for a bit because I think they're a team that has not only, you know, not only they're great at basketball, but I'm looking at all the things that they're doing in the community. Did you see this scholarship for every win initiative that they have? So for no, every, I didn't. So for every win, uh, I believe it's the playoffs, um, they're giving away a scholarship to uh, a, a Utah area student. And I think a lot That's of it beautiful. was, you know, students who did, might not have had that access prior. And the players, each of the players were actually FaceTiming the students to, to break the news to them. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I did a little further reading and, you know, they kind of revamped their whole organization from top to bottom. Uh, and, you know, it's cool how it's been reflected in, you know, basketball standings and, and, and abilities and output as well. Like they've been such a fantastic team for a couple of years now, up and coming, young. And uh, I think they're they're interesting to watch as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. I know you're high on them. They obviously they put up this year. I know when the season started, um, you know there was some inkling that they were going to be good because, like you said, they've been kind of climbing up as they go. I don't think anyone right out of the gate would pick them to kind of win the West, especially you know how how stacked kind of the West is. Mm -hmm. But they did it, and now they're getting in the playoffs and they're putting their money where their mouth is. You know. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, especially since getting called out by Shaquille O'Neal, has stepped up like crazy. <laughs> He's showing that he can actually go from that superstar, that all-star level to the superstar level. I think Rudy Gobert is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Obviously, he's a little less flashy. He's not going to always put up points. But just his sheer presence in the paint changes the game plan for other teams. So I think we're starting to see when you put a better team around him, what happens. Mike Connolly is playing out of his fucking shoes, right? So I'm high on the Jazz. And I said it weeks ago when they had that scare on the plane and they all thought they were going to die that they were going to play with the fear of god they're going to oh. play with the fear of god and i think that's what we're seeing and if they win the championship all i'm going to say is that i should have fucking put money on them that day <laughs> because you know I, I i honestly think you know we talk about sports like this all the time and it was one of the things that you know made us and inspired us to start sports jerks is we wanted to talk about the human side and one of the human side is is that deep down like can I do this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we see it with the Leafs sometimes, right? They know they're good, but in their heart, I don't think they think they're good enough. And then that's what the output is. So I think in Utah, I think they, and especially a lot of religious guys more so than you and I, and yeah. they think stuff like that, like, oh my God, God saved us from dying. They had that 10 minutes of thinking the plane was going to actually go down. <laughs> I think it's playing a factor. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, I'm going to task you with looking up when that was and looking at their stats since that, 
before and after that. We Actually, we should definitely look into that because that's interesting, and I don't think anybody has that take yet. This, is, this has to be a Sports Jerks exclusive take, Josh. <laughs> it has to God. be because nobody would take that into account. Like you said, the religious aspect is there too, of course, but I do think that in no small fashion, they are thinking that like either, either they have divine providence look, watching over them. There's two possibilities, divine providence, and if you yeah. believe that or not, that's okay. Sure. And or they think they have a horseshoe wedged five feet up their ace. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or or the third option just being like, you know, it just shakes your brain a little bit to be like, okay, I I, I am only living here for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to be on a good team for so long, so I might as well actually go, you know, all out. I was going to say balls to the <laughs> wall, but I feel like that's like kind of a dead phrase. So like, I'm going to actually, I'm going to lay my body out on the line you see it in the nhl a lot when you see these guys that clearly are out there with like a reckless abandonment for their own body to get that win and i think that utah with the fear of god man come on baby maybe it's a perspective thing too though maybe we're being a little immature maybe it's as simple as them saying okay well you know i i have my life and my health and it's just a basketball game and they maybe that's just enough to get them to perform that's it just that could be it that, too that could be one. it too right you know, yeah. how, how fast life can change, right? Like there are things that happen just in everyday life where, you know, you have a close call in a car and then it makes you think and you're like, you know, I could lose my life at any given time. So why not take that leap? Why not ask for that promotion or or ask that person out or, or you know, so I, I don't know. We're getting a little bit off track here. But that being said, Utah, they're looking good, man. I, I have the highest hopes for them. The Clippers have not looked good. They struggled no. against against the Mavs and obviously Doncic was was lights out and I did say that they got some bench support but their second best player Przingis was basically not there so I mean they struggled with that team you know the Clippers I just don't think they have it in them but that to say all roads lead to Brooklyn all roads certainly lead to Brooklyn yeah yeah and I I feel the same way about the the Clippers though like like they said a few years ago I don't think they have uh you know just that it factor like Kawhi's nasty you know Paul George is a good player but he's not like that yeah. number one captain sort of you know Kyle Lowry Tim Duncan that Ka- that Kawhi Leonard had in the you know success with in the past type of player not right. a number kind of one two maybe a three four on like a stud squad um, yeah. So I, I just don't think it's there. I think I, I, I see what they're going for. Obviously, I think everyone can see what the composition of the team was, you know, what was the rationale behind it. But I mean, mm-hmm. you look at other teams around and it's just, yeah, they, they're lucky to have squeaked by. But like you said, not much um, bench support from the other side. So what can you do? You know, right? they, they, they managed to squeeze their way in. But I can't see them going. Uh, I think the buck stops here kind of thing the buck stops here indeed i i I honestly do hope we see utah versus the suns because i actually think Mm -hmm. regardless of the outcome regardless of what happens in the finals i think that that would just be you know really fucking fun basketball Mm -hmm. so i'm excited okay moving on nhl last week am i mistaken in saying that you took the jets um i do think you're mistaken yeah i do yeah okay you also took the habs okay i'm gonna have to say that either way Four game sweep. I I did no take one the took Habs, that, but I did not. I did not think a sweep was coming. No, no one took that one. And I'm not just saying I took the Habs because they won. Maybe I am, but uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I took the Habs. And uh, four game sweep, nobody could have seen coming. Mark Shifley takes himself out of the series, and then this guy goes on a tirade yesterday. Did you see this? Right. Saying, I did watch uh, it. Yeah. You know, he the, the Department of Player Safety kept him out of the game. Are you, are you talking about? I watched that freaking... They played the highlight again of the clip, and I noticed it was funny. Um, his wording was funny when he was talking. He said, I've replayed that clip 
in my head thousands of times. So I thought, I thought that was funny. I think he was trying to kind of steer clear of saying that he's he's watched the clip many times after the yeah. fact. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, watching the clip again, I thought I was watching the fucking next trailer for the next Wolverine movie. This guy just, his hair, yeah, hair everywhere, looked like a madman. Yeah. And when the guys have blue eyes like that, like when you see a pissed off blue eyed person, aren't they just way scarier? <laughs> they are. It's actually, just piercing, yeah. right? So he just yeah, looks scary. Yeah. There was nothing. Again, I had the same attitude I had last week about the hit. Um, so, I mean, that plays a factor. But Montreal's playing just solid, foundational, textbook hockey. And Carey Price is an absolute superstar for the last decade. I saw a picture of <laughs> Carey Price holding the Calder Cup back when he won mm. with Hamilton. And he looks the mm. same. He looks like he looks, <laughs> li- he looks literally the same. I know you say like, people say this for a lot of people. But go find yeah. that picture. He looks the same yeah he's a beautiful man i mean beautiful family i mean wasn't his wife was on that show hockey wives or whatever which which the fact that that even fucking existed is an is an atrocity but that being said i agree they played amazing i didn't see it coming i watched a lot of the games they mm-hmm. look good they played shut down d they kept kind of winnipeg to the outside no one from winnipeg really was you know kind of standing up i think hellebuck you know he did his best to kind of keep them in there you know i i don't know the carry price thing i still see it like I don't know. He let in some soft goals too, so it's it's weird. He makes really great saves. He let in some softies, and that's why I personally think whoever they get in the next round, they're going to expose Carey Price because he's going to let in too many softies, and it's going to be the end of it. And like I said five years ago, like I said at the beginning of this show, they're never going to. He's never going to win a cup. But that being said, I don't want to take away. They are the kings of the North. We did not see that coming. If anything, we saw them. I think at the beginning of the year, we both said that they would, you know, just kind of make it into the playoffs. You know, we kind of talked that they're not even, depending who you compare them to, like a real full-fledged play, playoff team. And yet, they got it done. So, I do want to talk about the Shifley hit a little bit, because last week, I kind of was on the edge of, you know, he did slow up at the hash marks. He didn't jump in. He didn't lift his shoulder into the head. But then having heard more and gotten more perspective on it, it's not that he hit the guy in the head. There was no clear intent to hit in the head. So that's not what he was suspended for. It was for charging. I was under the impression that charging was very like black and white. From At least from when I grew up playing, I remember it was something like, if you take more than three steps before making contact, that you're going to get hit with a charging penalty. But when you actually look at the rule of the law, that is not the case. And from my understanding, they're going to use this as the poster child of what a charging penalty looks like. Before the season, they give all the teams like a rundown with examples of what penalties mean. And they're already saying that the Shifley one is going to be a prime example of what a charging penalty means. So I think we're seeing an ever-changing and adaptive lens escape for for penalties and based on what i understand now obviously that is a suspendable offense four is a little harsh in the playoffs though especially for a first timer you know they threw the book at kadri but that guy's been suspended every fucking time he makes the playoffs yeah no for sure for sure so uh, kadri's a whole different story right that that's fine and uh but you know i like it though right if uh, they're gonna use this as an example as like a teachable moment that that's cool with me yeah like the game's changing right every facet of the game's changing it's getting faster so uh you know why shouldn't the nature of what is called what change now the fact that you know it's Good not point. clearly written out it's it's, a, it's unfortunate that this had to be like the uh like the unannounced example i guess like you know mark well Shetley, clearly Clearly, they all were in agreement that this, to the letter of the law, was a suspendable offense. I guess just me mm-hmm. as a fan, I had that older perspective on on it. Well, charging, too, like like the letter of the law, right? I was under the impression, too, that your feet were moving. 
right? And so, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there has to be a case-by-case evaluation each time. So I get that. Um, but I do like the idea of kind of educating teams with, with examples and stuff like that. And, right. and I know it's been done. You know, it's a thing that's a pra- common practice, right? It's a long time practice. Mm-hmm. But um, you're going to get these kind of watershed moments, I think, right? In sports because they're changing so much where it's just, just going to not be, you know, you're going to have such a divisive issue and you're going to have a player pissed off or you're going to have the league pissed off until they can kind of meld somewhere in the middle, right? And, uh, and and learn from that. I think they're kind of in the same boat for goaltender interference the last couple of years. Like, who the fuck knows what that even looks like anymore? Right. right? Like, it's yes, so, the, sure. the, the waters have been muddied so much. So I, I think if we have this kind of pinnacle moment to point to, it's, uh, it's useful. But again, if something similar happens, that's just like, you know, a little bit different, a little bit off, circumstances are a little different, we're having the conversation again because... You're always seeing something new, especially in the playoffs, right? So there's a million different scenarios that can play out. And, you know, as long as I guess we can learn from them, it's tough on Shifley and the Jets, but nobody else in that team was doing shit that series either. So, you know, you can't pin it on that yeah. at all. No. No. And one player, when you get swept for nothing, no. it's not going to make a difference. It's not LeBron James got sat out for, for a whole series. It's one player in hockey. Sure, he could have stole you a goal here or there. Maybe he gets a last minute goal. You're talking about one game. For. To say that that one player made an impact that would have really affected this series is absolute bullshit. But Absolutely. I have a question for you, sir. You took the Islanders. I didn't see it. I thought the I thought Boston watching them beat up on Washington were going to be untouchable. They take the series down. It's over. Six games. Mm-hmm. Made light work of it, too. They looked dominant. It wasn't like they were winning every game in OT. They won these games outright. What led to that? What do you like? How, how do you, And how do you feel about their next round against Tampa Bay? I feel really good about the Islanders. Uh, I never feel good about anyone going up against Tampa Bay, though. But, I mean, if anybody out of the East is going to do it, it's the Islanders, man. They're just built for the playoffs. Look at how many, like, proven playoff performers they have on their team. J.G. Pajot is a different type of player in the playoffs. Uh, Brock mm-hmm. Nelson, another different type of player in the playoffs. Uh, Varlamov has been playing fantastic, right? Regularly making 30, 40 saves a night. And uh, the rest of their squad is same same thing. They're just they're just super well rounded, super physical, and super skilled. Man, Matt Barzal's mm-hmm. nasty, right? Sizikis, Clutterbuck throwing bodies around, uh, and and guys who still know what to do with the puck. I'm zeroing in on Brock Nelson. He's my favorite Islander, uh, mm-hmm. just because. Oh, I can't also forget Kyle Palmieri, right? And we talked about mm-hmm. those additions mid season that are paying dividends. Like Kyle Palmieri, yep. every time he touches the puck, it just seems to go towards the net. Right, he's always right. just generating something positive. Um, Brock Nelson is another player. He had a beautiful play last night. Did you see this? It was this takeaway at the blue line. Very gentle poke. Took it. Breakaway. And, you know, he scored, right, for that game-winning yeah, goal. And um, yeah. he's a player that you'll see in flashes. Very streaky during the season. But in the playoffs, anything but, man. He just goes on mm. an absolute golden streak. And he's a, a very exciting player. Um, in terms of going up against Boston, though. Or not Boston, sorry. Um Tampa. Tampa. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, Just because Tampa hasn't looked like they really broke a sweat yet. Yeah, they they, made light work. I mean, Florida kind of put up a half-decent fight against them, but Carolina didn't seem to be on the same level. No, and, like, with Florida, it's, like, fine. Okay, uh, you know, um, a couple guys are coming back from injury, right? It's their first series in a bit, right? And that's fine. Um, Florida, you know, all all credit to Florida for doing what they did, but Tampa Bay is always just so scary. Um, I'm still going to go, if I had to make a prediction, I'm going to go and just take tough one and sit with the Islanders. 
Nice. Okay. Uh, I'm going right. to stay with the Islanders. Yeah. Just like, just go, just go with, you know, what's hot right now. Barry Trotz, I think is an X factor. Now, you know, obviously the Tampa Bay lightning are a super well coached team. John Cooper been there for, you know, however many years, fantastic mm-hmm. org. Right. But, um, I really like Barry Trotz hockey. Like he just, mm-hmm. the, the, every forward is so defensively responsible. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they always know what to do with the puck. Like they're not really ever looking or, or, yeah. or like, you know, not hooking up on passes or, or set plays. So I like the Isles. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Islanders, they're, they're kind of built for that, you know, that playoff hockey. And like you said, very responsible. They pretty much all play that 200-foot game, which is really necessary come playoff time. For me, I'm going to go Tampa Bay just because I think they got, you know, too much firepower. They're walking through teams. They got their stars back. Vasilevsky is like, you know, maybe if they didn't have a goalie, I would feel better about it, but they have like <laughs> two prolific scorers, one of them being one of the best in the NHL. They got pretty like a lockdown defenseman. They have a, you know, a top five goalie. I just can't, I can't root. I can't root against them. Too many stars. Uh, Braden Point to absolute superstar in this league. Yes. Um, you know, just too many to name. They have more stars than the night sky. And that's not just because, you know, we live in the GTA, <laughs> the smoggy ass GTA, and we can't see shit. <laughs> But I'm just saying that actually up by you, you probably see uh, nicer skies. Than I got me. a couple up here. I yeah. look up there and I see uh, I see one big star, but it's uh, like shaped like an M. And but up up up, that's the only star I can see. It's glowing at night. But uh, no, but seriously, like it, it's tough to root against Tampa Bay. Like how can you? How can you? Right. So mm. I'm just doing it because I just want to be able to say, you know, I, I stuck with the Islanders and I, I really believe in some a, t- a new team, right? And mm. they've been good for a long time. Like last year, they made it pretty far. But I believe. Yeah. I believe they made it to the same point last year, I think, uh, if I'm mistaken. But, um, I mean, they've been under Barry Trotz, especially. Like, just comparing, I keep seeing this popping up, and I don't want to, you know, beat, beat a dead horse. But, you know, the number of playoff series wins that they have uh, since losing John Tavares. Like, their team, you know, it's not losing. That's not the causation. I hate that this meme's going around kind of ripping on poor John Tavares. Um, mm-hmm. it's, but it seems like at that point when they, I think it took their captain leaving to kind of make the organization look at itself and say, okay, we need to like, like take this seriously. So, you know, they got yeah. Barry Trotz, right? They, they have a front office now that's actually respectable. They've made nothing but like good hockey moves since, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all their players have developed really well. And they've been like a, a, a top seven to five team at times in the league since then. Yeah. So it's exciting. It'd, it'd be a narrative that I could definitely get on board with. Um, on the other side, I do think uh, if we're talking Vegas and Colorado, what's that series at now? Is that going three to... two Vegas now? Three two Vegas now. So I mean, yes. I, I can't remember. I think we may have both taken Vegas in that series. I think you took Colorado and I took Vegas. I took Colorado. Okay, because uh, that I'll, we'll have to check. We'll have to get Izzy to check that out. But last mm-hmm. week when we did this, Colorado was up two nothing. So Vegas is on a three game winning streak. They've looked good. Mark Stone, your boy, my boy, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with the game winning goal. So, um, you know, right now, you know, we got the Islanders versus Tampa Bay locked. The Canadians are representing Canada. And then we got the winner of the Avalanche Golden Knights going down, but they're going into Game Six. I, I, I think it's going to be the Golden Knights, and that's going to be an interesting series, man. Because I don't know, like I said, watching the Golden Knights versus Colorado play, and then watching the Canadians versus the Jets play, this is not the same caliber of hockey. It doesn't mean that the Canadians can't come and and play to the level of their opponent, because I think that that happens, and it happens on the good and the bad end. When you're playing somebody that has a lower tempo than you, a lower aggression than you, then you kind of match that level of aggression, which I think is what we've seen in the North Division. So can they step up? Maybe, but I think it's going to take 
I think it's going to at least take a game or two. And even that, uh, you know, obviously I'm taking the Golden Knights. Yeah, this is the real test, right? So, I mean, I don't want to sell Colorado out just yet, barring a magnificent comeback, right? Like, anybody on their team, they have so many guys that can just snap. It's possible, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Vegas looks good, right? They got the momentum on their side. So, let's just say, for argument's sake, that it's Vegas. I think they're going to... I think they're going to walk over the Habs, but we said that the Leafs were going to walk over the Habs, and we said that the Jets were going to walk over the Leafs or walk over the Habs or walk over anybody, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, anything could happen, and, you know, I can't say much more than you already said about, you know, playing yeah. up playing up to your opponent, but um, if it's Colorado, much much to be the same, but uh, Mark Stone's fantastic. He's must-watch television. If you're looking to, like, learn how to play, I think, fundamental hockey, you should teach kids to watch Mark Stone. I think he plays like the best brand of hockey. So like sound, so responsible, just a very high hockey IQ. Um, yeah, but we'll he's see. got nice hands. He he gets he gets mm-hmm. in the gritty spots of the game too. Yeah, he is. Uh, I agree. I mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, right? It's uh, it's you got to play the games, and I believe Colorado and Vegas go tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they but... do. Yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, you already know what happens in Game Six. So um, we won't make any grand predictions. But that being said, I think the Golden Knights are going to close it out, whether it's in six or seven. Okay, we got to move on. We're going to talk a little MLB, but this week we're going to focus on. You know, specifically the craziness that is happening in the MLB with the pitchers. We, Me and you talked about this a few weeks ago, that there were a bunch of videos surfacing of, you know, illegal substances in, in pitchers' gloves, that they're touching the substance, they're pitching. You know, Josh Donaldson has been a big whistleblower on what is happening right now. It's kind of been crazy. Garrett Cole, the ace for the Yankees, gets questioned after the game. Do you use spider tack? Okay, and he pauses, hums, haws, doesn't answer the question, and then goes on to just say that the previous generation taught them a way of pitching. And so I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? You should just say no or pass. But you like, what are you saying? So you're basically admitting that you're cheating and your cheating is okay because the previous generation also cheated. What did you make of that interview? Um... Uh, uh <laughs> this is a live rendition, I uh, guess. Um, well, basically, um, no, um, that was the worst, man. That was terrible. You'd think, like, does Garrett Cole not have, like, internet or not have any sort of, like, media communications? Like, he knows Donaldson's been going on a tirade about this for about two weeks. Yeah. Right, you know, it's starting to you know pick up attention in the media, and then you step up, you know, in front of that, you know, that small little league team, the New York Yankees, and their media, <laughs> yeah. and of course, you know, someone's going to ask you about it, right? So the fact that he didn't have like even a canned response is pretty embarrassing. Like even just saying no, even just saying like no comment, like you you sold yourself out anyway, right? And right, and and if there's a large amount of pitchers using this spider tack. You know, I feel bad that he's kind of getting singled out. But when you're the best pitcher in baseball over the last three years, you know, that comes with the territory, right? When you're so dominant. And then, of course, when Donaldson makes explicit, like, that was pretty cool. Baseball got exciting. I was watching those highlights last night, and I sat up on the yeah. couch. I was like, shit, like, now this is starting to feel like other sports where, like, the, the guys call each other out. Like, that's actually yeah. fun. That's actually fun. Um, I do want to bring up Josh Donaldson in an interview yesterday was talking about the spin rate for fastballs amongst MLB players. And he set a certain date. I forget what it was. It was was like Thursday or something. No, but it was like he was talking about like sometime in the 1990s, there had only been four pitchers that had a spin rate of above. I believe it was twenty five hundred, you know, spins per second kind of thing. 
And he's like, and now that is the league average. So he's like, you're telling me that for a hundred years, no one knew how to throw the baseball right. And only in the last 15 or 20, whatever that kind of time frame was, that everyone has just figured it out. And it's bullshit, right? And we're seeing it. Look how many, you know, it is hard to argue. You know, we've been talking about it for a while, that pitchers are dominating the game right now. It's home runs or it's Mm -hmm. strikeouts. Mm -hmm. And, And now you have to question... Why are pitchers so dominant? And is it because they're using illegal substances, right? During the steroid era, players had no problem calling out calling out steroid users, guys that are hitting 50, 60, 70 bombs. They threw them right under the fucking bus, all knowing that they're just going to start cheating too. It, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. No, it's uh, I, I like that he kind of had some numbers to back it up and stuff like that. Yes. He was calling out specific guys, so I, I did like that. He came prepared, clearly. Um, I didn't like, though, that uh, Garrett Cole made him look absolutely foolish on a couple uh, pitches down the dirty dick right in the middle of the plate Oh, last my night. God, yeah. Yeah. He clowned him. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, Garrett Cole's nasty, but... Uh, Garrett Cole's I mean, good regardless, I, yeah. I wish Donaldson had started talking this shit, like, back in, like, 2015-16, so he could kind of back it up more. But that's not the point. That's not the point. That's not the right. point is that he did say also that all of a sudden there was about a dozen pitchers around the league that when um, a group of minor leaguers was suspended... For minor league pitchers were suspended for foreign substances, uh, I believe earlier this week or last week. And yeah. on that day, there were about a dozen to a dozen and a half um, major league pitchers whose spin rates dropped overnight. Right. So I guess Josh Donaldson is suggesting that like they, they chickened out and they just stopped using it. Yeah, that's exactly um, what now, it is. Now, I, I saw that uh, I saw the Yankees beat the Twins 9-6 yesterday. So, I mean, it both it seems that some pitchers got beat up somewhere along the lines. I, I didn't take a look at Garrett Cole's line. Um, and you can't really glean anything from one start, obviously, in the post-Spider-Tack era. But he certainly looks silly. He certainly looks silly in his in his press conference and Josh Donaldson oh. you know looked silly because he was uh because he, he fanned on a couple and Garrett Cole <laughs> stared him down so it's good for the sport I mean us watching it's it's good for the sport for entertainment but is it good for the sport in terms of driving down offense no I have to say it's actually probably terrible right what, the, the, I think the rivalry and the, and the and the drama is good no, but we want more offense, so yeah. the eliminating spider attack is actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I, I love the drama, and I love uh, you know like the this this rivalry, but it just sucks that it's over fucking cheating again in baseball. And if oh, it, I see. Yeah, and it's like that's not good for baseball. The spider attack is bad for baseball. I mean, if that's going to drive down offense, nobody. Let's get real here. There's a very very tiny subsection of baseball fans that want to watch pitchers duels like no i don't i don't i don't fucking want to even if it's my own team dealing i don't want to watch that right um the odd one but yeah right once in a while right well you want you there's pitchers that are fun to watch ryu the ryus the scherzers the degroms the absolute studs and it's great seeing you know pitchers who are magnificent at their craft but all in all if you want to grow the game like we're we're already hooked you know guys like you and i who would want to look for that we're already hooked we don't want to we don't you know we're, we're we're sold on the whole product but new fans and the young kids want to see bombs, man. They want to see homers. They want to see stolen bags. They want to see all that shit. Yeah. And if Spider Tack is really fucking hitters up that bad, that like still we're still seeing teams with like half the guys batting like two ten, two fifteen, like Yasmani Grandal of the White Sox. And tell me if this is related. I want you to. I want to ask you if this is related. I actually don't have an answer for this, but his batting, his batting line this year, he's batting one fifty. His on base percentage is four hundred. And he's hit like a dozen home runs, so he's barely hit anything. 
He's on base fucking 40% of the time, though. And mm. But his batting average is 150. So does that tell you that he's... Is he selling out for home runs? Or is there... Like, is the only way to get on base now seem to be, like, <laughs> like walking? Uh, he could be. It's, it sounds like maybe he's got a good eye but a trash approach. Like, <laughs> I don't uh, – yeah, that, that one's kind of tough. But, I mean, everything that you said, though, is actually – it's good, then, that this is coming to light because if they stop using this or they can at least minimize – there's always going to be people that are going to try to get one up on somebody else. So mm-hmm. if they can at least heavily slow this, we should see more offense. And like you said, we're seeing spin rates already immediately drop. And I understand after they suspended those minor leaguers that every MLB team got a notice saying that they're going to start cracking down on this. They are going to watch and they will find and suspend people. So obviously those warnings were heated and we're seeing it. And, and Josh Donaldson had even said Garrett Cole, as he's pitching, his spin rates have only hit the level that was his average like once or twice a game. So it's hard to argue that it hasn't been making an impact. And there is something to say when you're control of the baseball is so dominant it's harder to hit so if you're already a good pitcher and now because of this you can get extra spin extra control extra just fucking craziness it's going to be harder to hit and it's going to drive offense down so i think this is actually a good thing that's coming up it was hilarious to see though josh donaldson before the game yesterday looked like he was in prison And he knew that he was about to get stabbed because he put on every piece of armor that he could have on. This guy has the elbow pad and they showed him before the game. It looked like one of those old prison shows where they take like the phone books and they tape it around their stomach. (laughs) He had, he was wearing body armor on his ribs because he thought for sure he's going to step in that box and he's going to wear one of those 96 mile an hour two seamers from Garrett Cole. And he didn't though in Garrett Cole's defense. And I think, though, that's because he knew if Josh Donaldson steps in the box and he plants one on him, number one, it's going to show even more guilt than his dumb mm-hmm. ass has already shown. And number two, he's going to look like an asshole and he's going to start a fight and he's going to get suspended for sure because he has cause to hit him. There wasn't going to be a warning for that. So, you know, I do commend him for kind of holding it down. And, and he struck out Donaldson twice, I believe. And like you said, some of those hacks look pretty ugly. Yeah, I liked I liked like I liked the fire of it and like Donaldson is standing there in Yankee Stadium. You see the Yankee Stadium sort of vista in the background and he's flat out saying Garrett Cole's name, saying I think is mm-hmm. you know, he's among the pictures and then to talk that shit to the New York media in New York Yankee yeah. Stadium, right? In Yankee Stadium when you're about to face the guy is pretty nutty. Yes. It's pretty yes. nutty. I like that. Yeah. I like that kind of shit yeah. for baseball. Um yeah. I just wish that I'm glad he didn't beat him either because I'm just glad that you know I'd like it to stay like a, about on field stuff right I don't want them to be fighting about cheating right because even the fucking Astros haven't gotten their just desserts yet I don't give a fuck they're back and yeah. they're winning and they're doing fine and you know what like you know they still haven't gotten their just desserts yet. they still haven't been beamed as much as I thought that first you know a little bit of spring training last year but it feels like the players have forgotten by and large right and they're contractually obligated to so whatever but I don't think this is something that obviously should. Uh, should disappear anytime soon. But, you know, provided if all these pitchers, let's say Garrett Cole, let's say his numbers take any significant hit from this, after he signed that big contract, that could be an oopsie. Yeah, true. That could be an oopsie, and that could generate some fucking controversy. So we'll see. And Bauer too, right? Now, Bauer, you know, did he, you know, he has that weird kind of two-year, $40 million per contract. And uh, if his performance is affected in any way too, like they have some splaining to do. So that could be bad for them. But I'm willing to bet that it's one of those things that um, we'll have to just see, right? We'll have to just see how the time goes out. But if a spin rate's falling already, like, what does that mean? Like, Yeah, I, I, I could see this, though. 
I think that this is one of those ones, kind of like the steroid use, that is impacting a lot more people than we're actually going to notice. So I think that they're all going to see a dip, but I think it's going to end up being kind of league wide. So it's not going to like grossly affect mm-hmm. the, like how much they're paid because they'll still be that much better. I think. Yeah, it's all going to be it's all going to be relative, right? That's your thinking. Yeah. So everyone's because I. Uh, yeah, Exactly, relative. Because I really doubt that there's a guy sitting in the dugout and looking at like three of the pitchers on his team all cheating and him being like, No boys, sorry, not for me. I'm gonna keep my spin rates where yeah. they are. There's too much there's too much money on the line. When you see people getting away with it, you see the league, it's partially the league's fault that they let them get away with it. It's not like they're hiding it very well. They put it on their fucking glove, they dip their fingers in it, and then mm-hmm. grab the ball. Okay. I heard um some of the pitchers are saying that You know, before the game, I guess there is an umpire's assistant that his job is to like kind of like rough up the balls a little bit because they only get used so much in the game. So apparently there is the job of an assistant before the game. They unpackage the balls and they kind of rub them. I assume to give them like, you know, maybe a little bit of tack, but not not actually changing the outside of the ball. And the pitchers are saying that they're doing that less. That's why they're using these substances because it's just for grip, right? And we hear guys like Buck Martinez saying, you know, if it is just that, like they're putting just a little bit because they're having trouble, you know, holding the baseball because every year the MLB is changing how they're making their baseball. So you could argue that, you know, if it's slipping out of their hand, they can't get a grip, they put a little bit, but then it's like, okay, well then where the fuck is that line between I am using it for grip and I'm using it to increase my spin rate. And it, there, there is no clear line, but um, we'll see how this unfolds. It's regulations. And anytime employees are caught kind of skirting rules, you have to look at the employer, right? Every single time that's the employer's responsibility. So if you don't have checks and balances and regulations in place, you have nobody to blame but yourselves. And I think that's MLB kind of repeating its own history, like with the steroid scandal, you know, it's their fault for not policing it. So now they're kind of trying to take a hands off, very gentle hand approach rather than a heavy hand, uh, because they know that any evidence and shit like that's going to come back to bite them. So right. it, it's it's upsetting. I hope it all gets cleaned out. I hope that in the meantime, we get good baseball out of it and more maybe head-to-head. Ro- in the short term, sure, let's get some more fucking heated personalities. Josh Donson, Garrett Cole, you know, there's few bigger gamers in the league than those two guys. So, you know, sure. at, at least it's exciting for us as fans. Um, but Josh, I want to hit you with um, my giddy up or that ain't right selection I'm ready. right now, mister. What do you think? I'm ready, sir. All right. Josh, giddy up or that ain't right. Are you saying giddy up? Or dang old, that ain't right, to Naomi Osaka pulling out of two recent championships due to uh, her reason given was preserving her mental health. Uh, you know, it takes a hit due to the press conferences that, you know, tennis players are very, very often subjected to. Are you saying giddy up or is that not right? Okay, I'm going to give like a bit of like a controversial answer. I'm going to say that ain't right. I've had, okay. I've had this talk with other people. I will say that you know, mental health is really important. It really is important for you as an individual to take care of your own mental health. Like my Mm. job as a human being, I have mental health issues. I know I do. It affects me every single day, but Mm. I'm like an adult who has a job and I have things to pay. And at the end of the day, my opinion and my like philosophical thought process is nobody really gives a shit about you. Nobody gives a shit about you. You have to take care of yourself. So if you need to do certain things to take care of yourself you need to do them and that should come at any cost so that being said though you expecting like 
the tennis community to just be like, okay, you don't have to show up to press conferences. You don't have to do this portion of your job because it's detrimental to your mental health to me is bullshit because every job has things that, you know, to some level make you uncomfortable. And if you mm -hmm. as a human being, because again, I look at it from the individual. If you as a human being are like, okay, I want to be a tennis pro. What goes into being a tennis pro? I have to work out every day. I have to eat right. I can't go out with my friends and get drunk. I can't smoke mm -hmm. weed. I can't fucking stay out all night. These are all sacrifices you are choosing to make. And a part of those other sacrifices are, I have to talk to the media. If I have a bad day, I have to talk to the media. If I lose a big match, they're going to Tell me what a fucking loser I am. Mm -hmm. But that is a part of the game. If you, if we don't have media at sports and no one broadcasts this, then sports dies. You become like the league that Dan and I are in where nobody comes and no one gives a <laughs> shit. And you know what happens when that happens? You make no money. So mm -hmm. I think that you can't have your cake and eat it too. That being said, I think her sitting out to take care of herself is a good call. But her putting the onus on the tennis community that she shouldn't have to go to these things is bullshit because she has the option today to quit tennis. Do not be a professional tennis player, be a teacher, a male person, a garbage person, sell collectible dolls, cut grass, <laughs> mm -hmm. stay at home, mm -hmm. be homeless. She has all those <laughs> options as, a, as an individual. Mm -hmm. If you can't handle it. And I think she should take care of herself. And she needs to think, can I deal with what the expectations are of this particular career choice and putting that on anyone but yourself to me, that ain't right. I think you said it very well, sir. Uh, not much more I can add to that. You know, uh, athletes of all stars and stripes, they love the, they love the victories. And, you know, sometimes we see these kind of things or they, uh, they don't so much like the, uh, the non victories. Now, again, in a microcosm, like you said, fantastic. Take care of your mental health. On the whole, though, she's going to fight a losing battle if she thinks that she's going to end, you know, media and sports is symbiotic relationship. They don't exist without the other, like you said. Exactly. Um, and, and, and it's it's impossible. So, you know, good honor, you know, take some time off, but you're not going to change the dynamic because you, the reason anybody knows about you is because of the media. It's a double-edged sword and that's something you go into knowing it. So, you know what? I'll side, exactly. I'll side with you. You know, giddy up for your own personal gain there, Naomi, but... Um, in terms of you know waging a sort of war on media um, and that sort of thing, I understand the mental health aspect. But again, I do about a hundred things a day, and Josh, you do, and everybody listening, and everybody in the world does about a hundred minimum things a day that make their mental health suffer. Right? I would rather sleep in all day too and not talk to fucking anybody. It's the greatest. Um, but that's the thing, though. It's like we as like human beings haven't really acknowledge the fact that you are the only person that makes your own decisions. When you go to a job that you hate or you're with a partner that you hate or people are mean to you or there's things that you just can't handle or you have phobias, you have to be the only person that makes that call mm -hmm. because the world is dynamic and it's moving around you. But everything that you do, like if you're scared to take the bus, then you need to drive a car mm -hmm. because, but going to the city and complaining that this, the bus is, you, it make you uncomfortable. It doesn't really get you anywhere, in my opinion, because it's not made just for you. The world is dynamic, and it's made for everything, and there's a lot of moving parts. So for her, if you want to play tennis, go to the local club. 
<laughs> and play some fucking people in tennis quietly. And trust me, no one will come. No one will give a shit. Your stress will go way down. And you can become a law clerk somewhere and make decent money. And you'll have different stresses there. Maybe they don't stress you out as much. You know, if I had to go on TV and be a chef, I would have a fucking panic attack. I would be burning my hand. I would have mental health problems. But for somebody else, that is the best thing imaginable is mm -hmm. going on TV and being a cook. So that's why if you can't hack it, it's time to pick another career in my opinion. But I, I sound harsh, but my the moral is take care of yourself. Do what's right for you. But you are not the center of this universe. So protect yourself only. I think well said, Josh. Well said. What do you got for me, buddy? Okay, before I move on, a little bit of breaking news. I just saw that the NBA has announced that 21... 2021 and 2022 season is going to go back to absolute normal. So 82 games. I imagine okay. by them saying that, that that means we're going to get probably a late October start. So that's a little bit of uh, breaking news for you. Okay, Dan, I got one for you. All right. Giddy up or that ain't right. The Tokyo Olympic Games are moving forward this summer. Giddy up or that ain't right. Giddy up. Let's go. Let's get this shit going, man. Let's get stuff back to normal. Yeah, yeah I'm fucking going. I'm all for it. I haven't read too much into the, <laughs> the health precautions that they're going to take and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I assume right. that they're going to be good, but you know, vaccination efforts are, uh, are picking up. Uh, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't assume or assert to know that I, I know everything that's going on, you know, locally uh, over ground zero where the actual Olympics are taking places or the accommodations and all that stuff. Um, but I got to say, giddy up. I'm ready for it. Let's go. Let's start getting, you know, if there's one thing that's going to get everyone in the world's mind off, like any one of those kind of marquee moments or, you know, something to kind of uh, usher in the end of a chapter, a, a, you know, sometimes at many points, actually dark chapter of people's day to day lives. Let's fucking go. Let's, let's watch some Olympic uh, sports here. Let's enjoy. I like it. I'm giddy up as well. I think that the fact that they canceled last year, mm -hmm. last year, not only were the numbers bad, but we just weren't as a society. I think we didn't have the tools in place to run an event mm -hmm. like this safely. Mm -hmm. So I think this year we do. I know that um, I've heard they're not going to allow outsider fans. I'm pretty sure it's going to only be open to... Um, people in japan which i think is a good move so you're going to already limit people kind of bringing variants over i think that you can do this safely you already have the athlete village they already kind of segregate and group all the athletes together i think now you just do a covid version of that everyone gets tested and quarantined when they come in and then if everybody stays inside this bubble you know it worked for the nhl it worked for the nba now we're going to do it on a grander scale i definitely think you can do this safely um i know that you know other people have some opinions about it and that you know, it might not be that safe, but like you said, we got to get back to normal. I think that we've had enough, you know, trials and tests mm -hmm. of how to kind of operate these type of events before. So I'm giddy up. I'm excited. And like you said, you know, sports unite people. And I think after a little bit of a dark cloud of, uh, you know, of the world, the last little bit that this is, uh, you know, this will kind of bring us back together. Um, kind of similarly to the fact that the Euro Cup is starting uh it's starting after you guys are listening to this so Italy has the first game against Turkey I don't want to pretend to know shit really about uh European soccer so I'm going to kind of leave it at that but as like a casual soccer fan I I always get excited for Euro Cup and you know in World Cup and stuff like that so I'm excited for that too so we'll we'll definitely stay tuned we'll stay current with that for sure uh but it looks like we got uh you know uh, a few minutes left for our last segment here and uh it's a bit of a you know kind of one that you may not heard about. So our jerk of the week. And I have uh, her name and the story pulled up right here. Um, this is Sonia Djurjevic. 
a Serbian volleyball player who um, made a racist gesture uh, with her eyes similar to the one Yuli Guriel was caught making uh, a few years back to um, Yu Darvish. Uh, so she was caught, and then a little bit later on, an older team photo was found of the Serbian volleyball team uh, with multiple players um, you know, doing this, uh, this, this racist gesture. Um, I don't even know what to think about this. Like, I mean, I don't think it's an excuse culture wise and stuff like that, that this is like a sort of, you know, far away, you know, you don't often encounter that's, you know, these sorts of cultures much, but I don't think it really is a cultural thing at all. And that's what like I'm seeing people and pundits saying on Reddit, Oh, you know, it's not meant that way. It's not meant that way. And there's always those idiots that jump out. They even jumped out, you know, for Yuli Guriel doing the exact same gesture. And they said, Oh, you know, it's a cultural thing. It's not, it's not meant this way. I think that's bullshit. Right? I think that's just an excuse. Um, you know, human beings can, you know, can, can process. You're making fun of somebody for the way they look, right? You're making fun of some, not just somebody, but you're making fun of an entire group of people, right? right. And, and an entire ethnicity, um, it, it, specifically against uh, the team Thailand, actually, was just to put context into what the, the match was, uh, in case anybody mm-hmm. wants to read further. But it was Serbia versus Thailand. And I don't give a shit what culture you're from. You know that you're making fun of somebody's appearance. And by extension, you're making fun of that whole sort of uh, diaspora of people and that whole yeah. ethnicity, that whole group. You're making fun of them for nothing more than the way they look. So I think that's shitty, shitty personhood and i think that's even fucking worse and unacceptable sportsmanship they should be booted and banned from even fucking participating let's make you know what let's start making like yuli guriel did not get i think what was coming to him and that was just a few short years ago but i think we've progressed to the point now where we can put a big hammer down and say you know what you're out you're out of the fucking competing on that stage for the next uh you know however many years what do you think about this josh no, you nailed it right on the head. I think that this is one of those things that we are so far past the point of saying that you don't know or you didn't understand or you didn't think it was harmful and you thought it was funny. We're so fucking far past that. And I think that we're kind of at the point too, I 100% agree with you, that we are we're, we're hitting them with too small of a penalty. So her, uh, she has been suspended for two games mm-hmm. and the Serbian Volleyball Federation itself has been fined a little bit over $22,000 um, for what happened. Um, I don't agree that that's enough. I think that if you start actually laying down very, very severe penalties for this stuff, that we actually will see a decrease in it. Because if you don't want to educate yourself, then you don't deserve to play in this sport. You know, this is, it is mm-hmm. a privilege to play sports at this level. I really think it is, or else anybody should do it, right? So I 100% agree with you. You said it right. Sonia Djerkovic is what I'm going to call you. You are, <laughs> it's pretty close, Djerkovic, you know, Djerkovic. Djerkovic is good, that's way easier to pronounce. Yeah, you are our Jerk of the Week. Dan, thank you for another wonderful episode. I know this week, for anybody listening, there is, um, you know, something happening with another uh, Jerk of the Week. Dan and I have talked about a little bit. A CFL player that plays for the Ottawa Red Blacks um, has been called out as potentially being involved with a homophobic attack potentially in Toronto. We didn't want to speak on it today, but we wanted to acknowledge that, you know, we're, we're aware of the situation and that we haven't overlooked him as a jerk of the week. But I think right now we haven't seen enough information and haven't got the full story. So, um, but that being said, Dan, thank you for another wonderful episode. Thank you. Jerky crew 
for listening. As always, follow us on TikTok, Instagram. Leave us a review, especially on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify doesn't let you do it, so you know a subscribe is always uh, welcomed. But leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts or not nice review, that's that's also welcome too. Um, but we really appreciate it. it kind of gets our show out to uh, you know some more random random parts of the world because it's always mm-hmm. interesting when we go on and I see that people in like Russia, Brazil, uh, we've had some in Denmark, we get a bunch in Europe, some in the UK, United States. It's cool to see, you know, that from our our homes in in humble southern Ontario that we get like these, you know, we we're, we're touching other parts of the world. It's kind of cool. Well, you know, we went a little international today with our jerk of the week, so hopefully uh, we get some local flavor from over there that can, uh, you know, uh, uh, hear about this and, 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 you know, start to correct that in, that shit in their own lives. And uh, like you said, you know, we'll get to that, that other story with the Ottawa Red Blocks once we have more information. But thank you, Josh. I had a great time, and I hope everybody has thank a you, beautiful sir. weekend. Take care. Bye, jerky crew.